Hello, product innovators. Today, we learn from a past head of design of an entire product division at Dell on best practices for your first overseas manufacturing run. You're listening to the Product Startup Podcast, the show that helps bring your product idea to life by chatting with successful inventors, product developers, manufacturers, and hardware industry professionals. Our goal here is to get to the bottom of what makes a product successful, from initial idea to getting your product on store shelves. We're taking you step-by-step to build a functional product and scale your product business. Hosted by Kevin Mako, one of North America's leading experts on hardware development for small product businesses. Now, onto the show. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm very excited to introduce Mike Morton to the show. Mike ran a design firm in Hong Kong back in the 90s, then was a senior design lead at Sunbeam, then a manager at Hewlett Packard, and then spent 10 years with Dell running their entire business desktops design division. He has made over 50 trips to China for manufacturing sourcing and has consulted dozens of hardware startups on overseas production. He's also a mentor at Techstars and Capital Factory. Today, Mike is going to share some valuable knowledge on how inventors, startups, and small manufacturers could best plan for and best execute on their first overseas manufacturing run. Now onto the show. Mike, welcome to the show. How you doing, Kevin? Good to good. see you. Very good to see you as well. You know, we've known each other for uh, for many years now. And actually, um, you knew my my brother well before that. He used to work for you back at Dell. Yep. Your brother was one of my better interns I've had at Dell, probably one of the best ones I had at Dell. And, and he was, he was a great find. I think he was at Art Center in, is that where he came? No, not uh, Savannah. Savannah College Park. Yeah. That's right. And uh, really amazing guy. And, and it's, it's amazing how similar you guys are too. You know, he's like, <laughs> it's, 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 it's when, when I met you, it was like, well, that's, that makes sense. Well, um, he went the yeah. crazy, you know, triple degree, masters in design, all that super, yeah. you know, academic, smart, uh, you know, design side. And I kind of went the business side, but we're both in the, you know, mm-hmm. in the design world. So I hope he's listening, um, or I'll <laughs> tell him to anyways, so he can hear you say those kind words. Appreciate it, Definitely. Mike. He was great, really, really, uh, and and he was with me for a couple of years too. So he kept bringing new new stuff to the table. It was really good to have him. Right on. Yeah. And what a great place to work at Dell. We're very excited today to hear about your experience, um, both uh, as a a very senior uh, design leader at Dell, but uh, also you've worked with many startups too. So having the best of, you know, the, one of the best uh, and biggest product firms in the world, as well as working with uh, some great product startups, it's an incredible experience for our listeners to hear. And today we're talking about manufacturing and who better to talk about manufacturing than Mike Morton. So, Mike, I really appreciate you uh, giving us this insight. Um, let, let's kick it off. You know, when we're thinking about manufacturing uh, our product, even in the early stages of ideation, you know, even if we've just got that invention and we're starting to think forward in ter- terms of the end game, whether it's us or a buyer or whatever else, somebody at some point needs to produce this thing to mm. create value. What do we start thinking about in terms of manufacturing first and early on in the process? Wow. I mean, there's, 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 Tons of aspects of manufacturing, and and you always run into new things depending on your product. It very much depends on your product, what you've got to do. But um, it, it, I think one of the most important things that a lot of people don't realize is thinking about, you know, uh, do, doing more work on the design up front with those manufacturing considerations in mind. What are the materials you're going to use? How is it going to be made? How many pieces do you have to mold to put it together? Um, those types of things, with, as you're doing the design, you're working with the designers, keeping them at least, you know, in mind will help you design a product that 
can be much more reliable, tend to have lower quality problems, cost you a lot less tooling dollars, possibly, depending on what you're doing. Um, and, you know, even things like the packaging, one of the big things, I'll tell you, Adele, the thing that like always caught us, we're doing computers and we'd be down the end of the line and someone forgot a label and they didn't know where to put the label and they forgot to put it in the right. And, and so now we're scrambling to figure out how do we stick a label on somewhere and not screw up the design. And, but, and you know, there were, there were holdups sometimes for that. And it's those little things, those details that a lot of times designers don't think about or, or people, product managers don't think to, to get done early and account for early that can trip you up at the end. I, I mean, that's brilliant. We're obviously a big advocate of kind of smart manufacturing grade design early. Mm -hmm. um, but it's interesting to hear from you. And I imagine you've seen a bunch of different scenarios, right? From stuff that's really well designed, really well engineered, essentially ready to, to for turnkey production. Mm. And then I'm sure you've also seen many of those situations where the product's been essentially kind of hacked together, designed together, may have great features and functions, but they're <clears> really hoping that somebody on the manufacturing line yeah. is just going to magically figure out how to solve all of these kind of core yeah. problems at, at, at that point in time when it's really, really, it's uh, too late. Right. Yeah. And that's that's such a recipe for disaster. I mean, you, you might get lucky and have a fantastic manufacturer who just looks out for you and knows what they're doing. I've seen that about once in 400 times, literally. Um, and I, I'm not kidding. It's that rare. Um, but wow. uh, but yeah, it can be if you don't have it defined really well going in um, and if you don't, you know, if, if you don't have the ability to to keep that monitor as, as it's being developed from a manufacturing standpoint, what comes out is not, you're not going to recognize it. It'll be different and things will change that you just didn't anticipate. Oh, so, I like that, Mike. Yeah. Uh, that's great. And, you know, something you mentioned uh, as we were just talking before hopping on this, uh, this call here, um, and I think it's very pertinent, especially to hardware development, consumer product development. Mm. One of the big things that you said you noticed with working with, with startups that are working towards going into production is essentially trying to do everything. Hmm. in regards to their product from end to end. Um, yeah. Can you touch more on, on that insight? Because I, I thought yeah. that was very interesting before the call. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, startup founders got so much going on and they're, they're trying to get funding. They're trying to develop the market. They've got the website, all this stuff. And, they, and they, they're the ones that can fall into that trap of, okay, we got a design and we think it's, you know, we think it's developed. It looks good and everything. They may not know the tech, the, the, how much detail needs to go into technology. So they think it's pretty well done um, and they're ready to throw it over the wall. When you do that, if you don't have trusted people like what I call boots on the ground, um, who you have relationships with or you have very close connections with and you, you know will like be your, be your guys in the factory um, to help guide the factory development, there's, there's two parts. There's the initial development, there's like design, there's engineering, and then there's the factory. One example is, I don't know, I've ever had a database I sent to a factory that they didn't redo. Like just, they didn't have to. I've had some that went absolutely complete and they still redo it because they have their own ways of doing things. And the way the guys here, whether it's a great engineering firm or, you know, designers, the way you will design it here, they won't like it. They'll want to design it to go together another way because of their manufacturing processes. They will redo it. And unless you know that kind of thing is going to happen and you have boots on the ground there who can kind of watch that process and feedback and all, you'll get surprises. Stuff will happen that you won't realize happened, and and 
again, you'll be getting ready to ship and get some, you know, pre-production samples back and there'll be something on there that you, you never anticipated. Well, you talked about two key things here. You know, one is in really well, really smart preparation, like at a very high professional grade, make sure you're ready for production. And mm. the second thing you're mentioning too, is really keeping a close eye from a professional standpoint, from an engineering standpoint on physically on the ground, but also of course in the CAD files and whatever else. So let's talk about that first one and then jump into the second one as well. I want to dive a bit deeper onto that uh, preparedness going into manufacturing. Something that I find very interesting um, when people who come to us with one or two of the skill sets in-house, let's say for instance, we're doing a consumer electronic product design and they have a great industrial designer and somewhat a bit of a mechanical engineer, and then they have no electrical engineer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, at that level, I think that's where it's in incredibly critical to understand your strengths and your weaknesses and understand that one doesn't transfer to the other. In yeah. fact, when I look back at, at product development now, you know, at a 30-person team, it takes us, for a consumer electronic product, it takes us any, between anywhere between six or eight high-caliber experts to mm -hmm. get from sketch to production. <clears throat> Right? Industrial design, concept design, industrial design, mechanical engineer, or materials engineer, firmware, mm -hmm. embedded firmware, your electronics, uh, PCB board designer, yeah. and your manufacturing engineer. And that's assuming only one of each of those categories, right? Yeah. And there may be yeah. subcategories of that. So you've yeah. got six to eight different, unique, high caliber experts all needing to work very well together, all being very professional and manufacturing minded before. I think that's what you said, key, Mike, there is before you're going into production. Right. So then I want to now jump into the second point um, that you brought about boots on the ground. Can you mm -hmm. go into more detail about that? Because I know you've done over 50 trips to China, countless yeah. days and months and arguably compounded to years over there working with hundreds of facilities on hundreds of products. So yeah. what are some of your best practices for boots on the ground development, making sure that you're manufacturing it right as a startup? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. One thing and and uh, I've I think I know so well, I forgot to mention before, but I actually had a design firm in Hong Kong back in the 90s. Um, and uh, so that's kind of right on. Where, really where I kind of started there and in the factories and all and and, and built a lot of relationships. Um, you you got to you, you got to have those those the people you can trust to 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 watch over the whole process. Um, and uh, so it's it's really finding, you know, put it this way, like you said, there's all these people. Um, you may have some on this side, but the ones on that side are going to end up doing your quality control. They're going to be um, you're, they're going to be signing off on the shipments, and they're going to be be watching that factory. Um, you, the people who do that, you got to have that functionality. A lot of people think, oh, I can just like I'll fly over, fly over once in a while, or I'll trust the factory. You just can't do that. Um, you got to have somebody who's independent to do the quality control. Uh, those people are best. If th those are some of the best people, be your boots on the ground and engage them very early, even as you're starting to develop the product. And it might be from an observational standpoint, because they'll start, if you have a factory, they can start talking to the factory about it. If you don't, they can help you find a factory um, that's reliable. They can check them out. They go in and make sure there's no child labor and chain doors and stuff like that um, and inspect things first. Uh, but then as the product is actually in production, they know about they know some of the things about how it was developed and why you did the things you did. So when things start to go wrong, because they will on the line, um, I've gotten calls from some of the guys I work with who I've got a 20 year relationship with, 
where they'll call me up one night and be like, oh, by the way, this started happening, but we went in and did this. And now it's, here's what's going on and we're done. And it's like, we had a, a you know possible fatal problems that, that they just took care of uh, because they knew what was going, they knew why we made the decisions we made at a high level. You can't bring them in on everything, of course, but at a high level, they knew what was supposed to be happening and could correct the factory on the fly. That type of, of dynamic and having that kind of people on the ground, super important. That's great. Yeah, two things I want to break down. First of all, is in terms of that, uh, the handoff we were talking about earlier, and you were mentioning actually getting them involved. One of the things that we're a big proponent of is when you're you're done, you're, you know, you're at the point where you've got a fairly decent prototype. Uh, maybe it's your second or third round of prototype. You're pretty comfortable with the concept, with the design, with the engineering, that sort of stuff. Before you actually start finalizing your manufacturing spec documents and all that sort of stuff, actually engaging these facilities. Yeah. Now, in order to do that, you know, brings to, to your second point that you talked to, um, which can't be understated, but it's the power of relationships, mm. right? And yeah. and uh, and that's what you mentioned there. Like working obviously with somebody like you um, is is very is kind of very powerful in terms of the connections that you get. And I, I know for for our clients, most of them don't have connections overseas. So if it wasn't for us, there was no way that they would be working with these, um, you know, certain caliber facilities or whatnot. Um, because the relationships have to be curated over over essentially over years a lot mm -hmm. of the time. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I know you've seen it because you mentioned it uh, when we talked earlier about kind of the Alibaba sourcing for manufacturing. Yeah. Can you just touch on that? Sure. yeah, it's uh, uh, it's i've had I've had guys I've worked with startups who, you know they're looking for a factory and they get on Alibaba and they try to find somebody. and you know they think they found someone. Um, they start working and, and then they they end up, you know, realizing that they don't have control over their IP. For instance, the software, the firmware and the product that the, their partner, whoever was supposed to be their, their manufacturer, or their partner over there, they didn't know them well enough. And again, they haven't done this before. So they don't know how to make an MRD, a manufacturing requirements document. They don't know how to make a, a MSA and manufacturing services agreement, all that stuff to guarantee as best as you can you know, and, and what what's going to happen and what your rights are, that stuff falls through the cracks. The, the Chinese basically, I heard a great quote, um, love them, live there, but a lot of times they view contracts as a framework for litigation versus as actually something they've got to do, right? And uh, so so having, you know, having someone there who, who knows the right things to do and you can rely on um, versus someone who's just trying to get the job done and push product out for it, you know, that that's a real different dynamic. Well, so, especially we're talking startups, right? So you have yeah. one shot, you're going yeah. to market. This is your big splash. You've either funded on Indiegogo or Kickstarter, or, you know, you're doing your first production run, which then you're going to sell to wholesalers or retail or whatever else you've got one shot mm -hmm. and you need great reviews in yeah. 2021. There's no room for a half quality product. Right. It, it won't and, survive, right? It's all about quality. And right. that's why this, when it comes to manufacturing, these are the goods that you're going to be selling. So you've got to make sure that you are, are doing absolutely everything in your power to manage, monitor, and ensure right. that when those units land here, your clients are going to love them and appreciate the merit of the invention as opposed well, to a couple of defects of your invention. Well, and one of the things they start to do so much work getting to that point, I think a lot of them, and because they haven't necessarily done it and have the scars that you and I have with this. Um, the, they don't realize that they can get down to the end and something can go wrong that they, that wasn't accounted for and, and blow their 
business completely. You know, they could be ready to ship 10,000 units and all of a sudden as they're doing inspections, they just, they're not working. The prototype worked, the initial one worked, you know, the one the engineers put together in Sonoma worked, but now the stuff coming off the line is not working and they're out of money, you know, and I've run into companies like that who I've been advising and saying, you better go get more money fast because you don't have any cushion and they didn't, you know, and, right. and we've, we've worked on a project like that too, that you know, really great, had some great manufacturing, amazing product, but they ran out of money and, right. uh, you know, it was just tough. It's tough to see stuff like that. I'm a big fan of, uh, and we kind of coach our, our clients as well into looking at the first production run as an investment, not a moneymaker. I totally overspend agree. on your production. Mm -hmm. If you're, if you're planning to test one out of every hundred units, do one out of every 10 mm -hmm. and yeah, it's going to build up. Your costs are going to increase. It's a shorter run. It's going to cost you more. You're probably pushing to have less units yeah. than more because it's your first one. That's going to cost you more yeah. per unit. All these things add up. If you've done a crowdfunding campaign, they take fees. If yeah. you're working with wholesalers, distributors on some of your first products, sometimes there's you know baked in upfront fees or fixed costs. Yeah, it, it is expensive, but the reality is it's also the greatest opportunity, I believe, in the in, in the in the potentially 20, 30, 50 year future of a product. Because mm -hmm. if you can get those products, who cares about making money? You can get them on the ground, get them into users' hands, mm -hmm. and have users say, I love this thing. Yeah. Now yeah. you can start talking to the big players. Now you can start thinking about big deals and what you're going to do because you can use that to leverage off to exponentially larger and larger buyer groups. Right. Right? Well, but it really comes down to that first, the quality of that first production run. So yeah. look at it as an investment. Yeah. Yeah. You're believable. The customers, the best buys, whoever you want to sell to, they're going to, when they see that and they see you sold a bunch, then they'll believe in you. There's so many guys doing this and everybody's trying real hard, but so few can actually get to it. And I won't discourage people, but it's 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 tough if you don't have the right people around you and all that, like we we're saying. But if you can do that, like you said, don't worry about if you made any money. You'll if you can show it to those guys and, and get that next big order because they believe in you now, that's that's huge. Absolutely. So, yeah. One thing I was gonna say about the people is find those other people. Um, even if they're local, you know, advisors or something, you just there's so much that a startup doesn't know. And they don't know they don't know. There's the, the don't know you don't know stuff is what really kills you. Absolutely. You know, and and just just over over connect with people. Um, because like I said a little bit ago, maybe you have all the financing that so, seemed like it would work. Um, I tell people, by the way, once you sit out your schedule and your budget, if you're not able somehow to double both of those, you shouldn't start. That's a, that's sort of the rule of thumb I Smart. tell people. I just say just just plan it like that. And you're, that's, you'll have that cushion you need, but, uh, but yeah, once you, once you do that, then, then you'll be okay. But you, you gotta have that preparation. You gotta have the right people who can tell you, here's something you didn't even know you were going to have to deal with. You know, have you thought about how much your shipping will be because you want to make this kind of package? Some people never thought about that or whatever. And, uh, and they'll help you find the other people you need. Absolutely. And of course, that's, you, you know, it's, it's a, uh, a linear relationship. The more qualified, highly experienced experts in each of the relative fields of, of, of your business in general, not just product mm -hmm. development, not just manufacturing, but this comes around to your, your holistic business approach. 
the mm-hmm. more experts that you can bring on board, whether it's a, an advisor or you know a consultant you're, you're, or an mm-hmm. employee or a firm you're hiring or whatever else, doesn't matter. The key is to get those experts on board yeah. with your vision one way or another so that that smooths out, exponentially smooths out so many of those bumps that are going to occur down the road to, to make it kind of an express route as opposed right. to you know the long haul. Right. I, I've literally had meetings with startups where I'll do these half-hour mentoring sessions at, at Capital Factory here um, and others where, where I've looked at what their designs were and how they were doing it. And after the meeting, I was able to say, look, if you if you do it this way and this way and use this other technology, then they walked away saving $100,000. I had a startup I did that with, $100,000 of cost that they were going to, they were planning on spending, had it in their budget. And it was like, no, do these sorts of things that you didn't have experience to know you could do. And you just got, it's like getting $100,000 of extra funding that they didn't have to get, you know? And and uh, you just can't know everything. So you gotta find those people and, and talk to them and, and you'll see those insights that'll surprise you. Yeah, and again, that comes up to the model, you know, you're gonna spend a little bit more upfront, but it's gonna save you not only a bunch of money down the road, but also you've always got to factor in one big thing and when it's coming to manufacturing, especially at that phase is what's your opportunity loss? Mm-hmm. So some people look at a, a, a kind of rough first production run and say, hey, you know what, we're able to, we're able to weather that storm. We didn't, you know, we didn't lose too much. It cost us, uh, you know, 20% returns or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what did it cost you in the opportunity loss, the mm-hmm. reputation, the lost steam, the, the everything from your own internal team to your users, your customers, your investors, your partners, you could have lost 10 times that without ever knowing or seeing that. And right. that's really why, you know, I, I harp so much on focusing on getting to that, that first production run, ensuring that it's done in good quality and making sure that you're spending right to get there. Yeah. Um, and one of the big things that obviously is always a rhetorical question to that, that I just want to at least touch on briefly sure. is in terms of financing, we always get the question, well, yeah, doubling the budget sounds great, but that's a very difficult thing to do. My my argument to that is, you know, first of all, the further you push development, the exponentially more valuable your product becomes, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. better investors you'll get on board, whatever else, especially if you can get to a good first production run. But even if it's before that, it's a lot easier to raise a little bit more financing yeah. than it is to recover from a botched first run or, or uh, botched first bunch of users out there, like in, in, in multiples, right? Yeah, and in, in fact, right now there's tons of money out there. Yeah. There's the highest personal wealth rate, the highest household savings mm-hmm. in human history wow. has occurred right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, there is a bit of a, you know, silver lining occurring in some areas. So it's really important to know that like the money is out there. What mm-hmm. is not out there is a recovery from failure. So right. focus first on quality, which may require money, money or funding that you don't have. That's fine. Go get it, mm-hmm. find mm-hmm. it, and then at least create a great product from there. Um, and, and you, you know, you'll be way better off. Right. Well, and your funding sources are going to know, especially if you've got experience with. Not they're not all. If they've got experience with this stuff, they'll know if you're underfunding yourself. They'll they'll be like they don't. These guys aren't experienced enough. And and if you can go in and say, here's what we're doing and here's why. You know, and and they've got any experience with this kind of stuff, or have had been burned, which everybody in the industry has been burned. So you know, <laughs> at some point, so you know, they'll they'll respect that. Uh, and you know yeah. what I've seen dozens of times, Mike, hmm. dozens of times, people they'll they'll have that call with our strategy folks or myself, and I say, look, I, I'm I'm looking to raise. You know, I, I've I've got it to this point. We're at a prototype. I need to raise money for the production run and marketing, whatever else. And I think I need a hundred grand. I look at it. I say, you know what? I think you need two hundred. Yeah. Probably similar to your model, right? I'm like, yeah, you maybe squeeze by with one, but two. If you're lucky. 
You know what happens? So yeah. often they ask for two instead of one and they just get two. Yeah, they get because yeah. a lot of these times for these investors, it's not a huge difference. Keep in mind these are these are angel investors or early venture stage investors. They're they're, they're looking for products which are going to be multi-million dollar selling products down the exactly. road. So whether it costs them 100 or 200 to get in, it's a new proprietor. You've already developed it a bunch. You've proven the technology. It's a good deal, especially right now with how prevalent yeah. hardware is. Everything's well, getting want, redesigned, right? So they want you to invest in IP. They want you to invest in people. They want absolutely. it reliable, you know. And and if you're not investing in reliable, like you said, high quality people, like Mako brings in and and you know the right team and all, if you're not doing that, then you're risking. And they want to be de-risked. I appreciate the the note there, uh, Mike. You know, and, uh, and to return the favor back to you, um, just out of curiosity, if people want to get uh, in in touch with you, um, find out about more working with you, because uh, I know you work directly with a lot of startups. What's the easiest way for them to to find you? Uh, probably the best way is a, is an email. Um, and I don't know if I, you know, my, my email is Michael at MortonCG.com. It's short short for Morton Consulting Group. Um, and, uh, but, uh, Michael at MortonCG.com. That's, a, that's probably the best way to get a hold of me. Um, and, uh, I've also got a website, MortonCG.com and you can find me there, uh, right. kind of the background and all numbers, but yeah. Well, Mike, I really appreciate all the insights. There's a ton of information there. Uh, very, uh, very action packed for manufacturing. Great to hear it from you. Um, much sure. appreciated for being on the show. We'll hope to have you, hope to have you on again. Sounds great. I enjoyed it a lot. I'd love to do this again. All Take right. Care. Take care, Mike. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast, the show that teaches you what it really takes to bring your product to market and turn it into a big success. This podcast series is brought to you by Maco Design and Invent, the original and leading firm in North America to provide global caliber end-to-end physical consumer product development to startups, inventors, and small product business clients. If you're looking for product development help on your invention, head over to macodesign.com that's m-a-k-o design.com for a free consultation from one of maco designs for design studios from coast to coast thanks for listening and see you next time